0: Welcome back to Conversations with Coco and Friends. I'm your host, Coco, a.k.a. Katrina Smart. Every episode, I'll be having real conversations with the people who inspire me. We go deep and we go there. And I've got my girls with me. This podcast is co-hosted by two of my friends who I happen to also work with. Cleo is a kick-ass producer and a problem solver and polar is an insane director and social media manager we hope you enjoy these conversations as much as we enjoy having them
1: many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care plush care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey they can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week.
0: Landing your dream job can seem impossible, then factor in the pandemic, and you generally start to feel hopeless. Managing all of the intricacies of life, whether parenting, finances, family, and everything else in between, is a lot to take on. But our stress levels are amplified when we spend eight or more hours a day doing something that we hate. As you'll learn on today's episode, it's an employee's market, and Serena Anthony is here to get you ready to land the career of your dreams. We often talk about entrepreneurship here on Conversations with Coco and Friends, but it's just as important to discuss climbing the corporate ladder. We're so excited to be chatting with the Chief People Officer of Group M North America, mother of twins, and self-proclaimed Soca Queen, Bear Bear Bear, bear Serena Anthony. Serena has worked herself up the HR rank, successfully freelanced, and is thriving in her new role, Chief People Officer. With an eye for talent and casting, Serena's strong core values, unorthodox process, and intuition have allowed her to be a sought-after HR industry leader. I hope you enjoy. Okay. All right, let go. go. Serena, Serena, we're so happy to have you with us, and we're going to talk all about the HR world, getting a job. Yeah, hot topic. Keeping a job. Um, (laughs) We're going to start out with something simple. Sure. What is the best way to make a great first impression in an interview from your years and years of experience?
3: Um, so, you know, that my answer now will differ from what my answer you, used to be. Okay. And my answer used to be, you know, go super polished, yeah. make sure your makeup is on point. You're wearing, you know, your best business mm-hmm. savvy type of outfit. Um, and, and I would say that although those things ring true today, you always want to put your best foot forward and first impressions are everything. My advice is to go as your true authentic self. So who you actually are. So if you're somebody who dresses a certain way, stay true to that. Don't change it. If you, you know, if your hair falls a certain way, but you felt you were, you were overthinking how you should present yourself, don't.
0: Right. Go as your true self. And is that and to like take advice. down the the anxiety in the interview so that you feel more comfortable? Or what is the reasoning behind you being more like your true self?
3: I think I think you always want to present as who you actually are. And I think we have a tendency as people to, you know, overthink how other people want you mm-hmm. to present. And present less as who you are when you do that. And then and then you get hired on the on a on the basis of, you know, a one hour interview sometimes. And what the the panel or the person interviewing you sees is not actually who you turn out to be. Right. Yeah. And that ends up being problematic later on. Right. So um we have a tendency to overdo that part. And I say focus less on you, you always want to be presentable. So that's just a given, but really stay true to who you are presentation wise and, and just be your true authentic self when you, when you go to these interviews.
0: I I, I interviewed someone a long time ago. She's moved on and she's super successful. She's great. She was just out of school and she came into the interview with a pair of heels on and then and had a great interview, but when she left, she put on her air force. Right. And I'm like, why are you changing your shoes? I'm like, you should have just wear the air force all the time. I love them. They're so great. And she's like, ah, oh, I struggled with this so much. Yeah. She was like, yeah. you know, I'm on my way in. I was like debating, like, do I wear the heels? Do I wear the But I just wanted to present. And that's exactly what you're saying. Like, she would have gotten the job even probably even faster if she just showed up in the Probably mm-hmm. but it's probably. also reading who you're going to interview with too I guess. So,
3: and and so. it depends on the industry, yeah. Yeah. right? If you're if you're applying for a job in banking, yeah. you <laughs> might want to wear a blazer, yeah, exactly. right? Yeah. If yeah. you're if you're applying for a job in media advertising, which is where where I work, showing up in a pair of sneakers and, you know, just I would say business casual. Yeah will 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 be fine. People are more focused today on who you are, what you have to say than they are on on the presentation. And and we know that there's tons of unconscious bias and mm-hmm. and so people overthink that as well um because they don't want to be misunderstood and or not even get, you know, past the first 5 minutes because of how they've presented themselves physically. Um but if if that were the case it's just it's not where you would want to be anyway. It's a good filter. Right. It's a good filter for sure.
4: So you and I have spoken about this before, but I know um, it's kind of all over the internet. There's like the great resignation right now. Yes. So when we're thinking about the great resignation in the context of hiring, or rather the context of this question, what are some of the hiring trends that people should be aware of before like choosing a position to apply to? You know, and even in the context of the great resignation, like if you're looking for a job right now, what do people need to know? And I think they might be sort of like at an advantage too. Oh,
3: for sure. So it's an employee's market. (laughs) And as the head of people, that's very concerning for me because I'm, people are dropping like flies (laughs) left, right and center everywhere you turn. So it's a very unstable marketplace and it's extremely competitive. And yes, you can be offered a job minutes following an interview today where in real life and these are obviously unprecedented times but I don't even like saying that anymore because this is the new normal yeah and the last two years have been you know it's 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 like nothing an HR practitioner would have ever, seen before and or could have ever prepared for. So we're kind of rolling with things as they happen. But what I've learned is companies are throwing anything and everything at employees right now at the marketplace in order to attract talent. There's a, we're We're all in a state of desperation, which is not a good thing because when that happens, you end up trying to overcompensate and you want to outdo the 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 next employer and my philosophy on that was was not to do that not to be knee-jerk about it but to be a little bit more thoughtful in why people want to work for you and why they would stay working for you. So even though I've seen a ton of attrition and employees should take advantage of the marketplace and really try and land, you know, a role that they're well suited for, they should do it for the right reasons, right? So you want to look for a job that your values are aligned to. You want to look for an organization that's really focused on culture because that's, what's going to keep you. And so for me, We had to do a deep dive into our organization and say, what what are going to keep, like, what's going to keep people with us? And, you know, culture was everything. You know, people want to be in a place where they feel valued, where they feel respected, where they feel a sense of belonging where they feel like they are safe to be who they are, um, where if they run into a challenge, there's there's a route to escalate complaints and or have their issues looked into in a fair and equitable manner. And that's not necessarily what you'll know up front when you're applying for jobs, but be really thoughtful in your hiring in in where you want to work. When you're, when you're looking, because right now people will throw all kinds of things at you that aren't necessarily sustainable. Right. And, and I can tell you as an HR person, you know, the number one reason people leave organizations is because of their relationship with their managers. It's not money. And, uh, and number two, in a very close second would be like, I didn't feel like my company was invested in me. So you're going to want to pay attention to, did I click with my, the person that's going to be my boss? That's the most important thing. Are they paying me well? Are they going to be invested in me? Are also important things, but focus on the connection with the, the person you'll be working for is what I would say. It was a really long winded. No, it answer. was very yes.
1: helpful too for people who are even considering moving their current place of work. You mentioned that this is the first time that you're in the position that you're in along with a lot of other human resources, people and hiring managers. What's an obstacle that you've faced during these times? How did you overcome it? And how did you learn from it? Like, what advice would you give other hiring managers who are in this current climate?
3: I would say be really thoughtful in how you go about things. Um, We initially, a lot of our competitors were, let's throw money at people. That's, That's what we need to do. Let's secure the funding. We all had a really good... Ironically, every companies did really well last year because mm-hmm. people weren't traveling. So they saved on travel and expenses. Um, you know, we weren't filling jobs fast enough. So when you're not filling jobs, there's all these vacancies and you scoop the savings from the vacancies, and they go that goes towards your bottom line. So companies were very profitable last year, and we realized that we can all work remotely, hybrid, and all of that. A mistake that I think people in my position are making is just that whole really reactive. We'll stop at nothing to throw everything at you to get you in, but then do nothing to live up to what we promised from the onset. So my caution to all sort of leaders and and people managers is, you know, make sure that what you're selling you can actually live up to. So you can promise somebody the world and throw money at people. But if the work life balance isn't sustainable, if it's chaotic when the person gets here, if they're not treated you know, thoughtfully and onboarded properly, they're going to hate it within the first, you know, three to six months. And the chances of them staying are very, very slim. So now you've gone and you've spent time, money to attract talent, but you won't be able to keep them. And that cost is substantial.
1: And on the flip side, what would you say for that person who's being hired on as the employee? How do you ensure that they stick to those promises that they're making verbally?
3: How, for the employee? Yeah. <clears throat> so as an employee, you have an employment contract, but so much of what they promise is not in it, yes. right? Mm-hmm. So what you're going to want to always ensure is that you're restating some of the things that you're promised from the onset and and always do it in writing. And, you know, we agree that and 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 make sure you have that just so that if you need to make reference to it later on, you have that. Like send an email after I think I think I mean, it's always the way to go not to be so prescriptive about it and because that could be a turnoff for uh, the hiring manager, but just to capture the essence of what's been promised to you, because I can tell you in this market, all kinds of things are being promised and and then you're in and they're happy to have you. But then life continues and business continues and they just forget. you don't have a good
0: quarter and everything's unsustainable and all of your benefits are out the
3: window. (laughs) (laughs) And that's why I say also be very cautious about, you know, when, when something feels too good to be true, some, it sometimes is. is. And, and so if you're getting paid, you know, 30 to 40% more than what you would have typically been paid pre pandemic, you should probably think about that because they're going to offer you a whole bunch of money. You're going to take the job. And at some point that's going to catch up with the organization and whether there are cuts or, you know things that they have to pull back on that can be job affecting later. So you'll want to, you'll want to think about that.
4: So when it comes to resumes, I hate them. I haven't made a resume in many years, but what works better in your opinion for a resume? Should it be like functional, chronological, does formatting matter as much as we think?
3: You know, it's a really different time. So I can be really honest with you. I haven't looked at a resume in five to seven years and I've just staffed an entire leadership team. So I don't look, that's wild. I don't look at resumes. So everybody's, you know, in the corporate world, and obviously that's my space. LinkedIn is your best friend. You're able to sort of get everything you need from somebody's LinkedIn page If somebody in the, within the corporate world. And I want to specify that doesn't have a LinkedIn profile. That's a little bit of a red flag and you want to know why, I'm not a resume. I'm not overly fixated. A resume just captures what you bring to the table, what your experience has been, what schools you went to, if that's important, and, and even that's becoming less relevant in today's day and age. Totally. But you know, I skills to me can be acquired. So I want to look at a resume so that I can verify that you have the experience and the skills to do the job. I am not hiring you based on that, though. That'll get you through the door for me as a hiring manager, I'm looking at who you are, how you present, what you have to say, how you think, how innovative you you are, how creative you are, your ideations, all of your ideas. Already <laughs> use that in the proper context, um, but just you know what you're actually coming to the table with, and and so from a resume perspective, I think it should just capture what you've done, some of your highlights and successes. So if you've won awards, if you're you know what your volunteer history is like, what philanthropy you're involved in because these are different times and i would care a little bit more about that like i, I i'm always intrigued by people's hobbies what they yeah. do outside of their their day job
1: what
0: Associations. So not just like getting drunk oh. all weekend.
1: Right. Okay, no, guys, no, definitely hobbies. Not. Brush up on your hobby and how you'll explain them yes, to your potential future. So fireball is yourself.
0: not a hobby. Drinking
1: fireball is. I mean,
4: it
3: is for depends us. who you ask. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's for uh-huh. me too. It is for me
0: too.
3: Um. Yeah. No. It's. It's. I. Uh. Resume wise, I. Th- I think having a LinkedIn profile is important. Mm-hmm. A picture. Um, you know, that's true to who you are, I think is always uh, important. I'm of two minds there because we know that we live in a world where there's a ton of bias that we still have to work through. Um, but, but, you know, just make sure you've captured the things that you would want a prospective employer to see so that it could get you through the door and then you take it from there.
1: So you're not as much a resume reviewer, but, what is one thing that kind of automatically disqualifies someone in the interview process, for example?
3: Oh, that's a really good question. Like immediately, no. <laughs> I am like, know, I'm, like, like you, I know, I, I'm sorry, I don't want you question. on the spot. But no, I'm just thinking, I'm thinking, like, I'm thinking what, you know, what is, so I've had scenarios where people come to an interview and don't actually know. What job you're applying <laughs> exactly. for? That's the problem, so, and and I can tell you that <laughs> in, we are. in this market, when people are, you know, interviewing every single day for different jobs, and it's 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 just such a crazy time. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, it actually happens more um, than you would think. So somebody really will imagine. come to an interview. Especially if they've been because, like back-to-back. Can you imagine? No, right? I would die. It's like dating and just forgetting what guy you're seeing. Come on. Well, no. Sorry. It Write it down. Put it in
0: your calendar, bro. I, I kid you want you a not- job for the rest of your life or maybe for a couple months? You want to know something? <laughs> like, uh, you can't <laughs> just look right guys, before. Like, okay, this is the right. I kid you not.
3: I just had a scenario where we were interviewing for a very senior role. But we had two CEO opportunities and CEO CEO ah, but. opportunities and the candidate showed up for the interviewing not knowing which agency she was <gasps> applying for. Stop. Um, She's like, well, I'll take
0: either. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. And I can tell you that the hiring manager, so the very senior executive also a CEO, we're a a world of lots of CEOs and (laughs) advertising was just like, she lost me in the first five minutes. She didn't know what, she didn't even know what agency she was. Um, and, and the agencies are very culturally differentiated. Mm So if you didn't show up knowing what agency you were applying for, that was like an automatic. So always know what you're applying for. That's, that's huge. (laughs) Sounds basic, but here we are. I mean, there are times where I interview and the candidates lost me within the first five minutes, and sometimes it's just a communication-style thing or I'm trying to envision how that person will, you know, what the dynamics on the team would be and how Mm -hmm. they'll gel with other members, and five minutes in, I'm just like, this is a hard no. no. Yeah, yeah, this is a no, and I will, you know, cut the interview short. I'm not a big believer in wasting anybody's time.
0: Um, I'm trying to think of when I've actually just been like, you know what it's I hate? So I'm like just from like a small business perspective and interviewing people. First of all, I hate interview- interviewing people because it like <laughs> feels like a, a whole lie. Like it's a scam. Right. Like right. everybody's kind of putting Tr- on Tr- that. They, mm-hmm. They're like different person than they actually are. But in our company, I just kind of come in for like a personality test. Like the, the vibe yeah. check. Exactly Got that. It. When they start interviewing me, I'm like, no. What's happening here? Yeah, Like I'm like, you can they ask them questions, the but then when yeah. they flip it and they, it's almost like they're proving how amazing they are by interviewing me and I'm like, yeah, we're not going to get along. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, you know? like, yeah, yeah. That's totally. one thing that drives me. And
3: you know, it's crazy because in schools and when people prep you for for interviewing, they'll say go prepared with a bunch of questions. Right. But typically, you leave those questions to the end. If they flip it while mid or at the start of an interview, that is a red flag yes. for sure because they don't want to answer any of your mm-hmm. questions. They just want to make it about I have all these questions for you, and that speaks to entitlement. It speaks to so many different things that are red flags for sure.
0: Red flags, speaking of red flags, yeah. <laughs> we um, aired an episode last year called Red Flags, but it's more about dating, um, which you okay. should all check out. Yes, I would. But where, what are some more red flags, like, on job postings? So if you're looking for a job, yeah. do you have any kind of, like, ones that you're just like, oh, don't even, don't even sign up? there? like, what I understand about kind of, like, working for something like Google or whatever, it's, like. They'll be like, um, we duty- have ping pong. You can bring your dog to work. There's a right. pet spa. Like, it, you never have to pay for food. And then, for me, it's instantly, because they never want you to leave. <laughs> like,
3: oh, nice. you so, know. absolutely. Like I said, it goes back to, if it sounds too good to be true, it generally yeah. is. And you want to work in a place where, I mean, you want to know what the perks and the benefits are going to be for you, but you also want to know what you're going to be required to do. You want to know what your yeah. job my actually actual job? is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot of <laughs> job <laughs> descriptions. And there's there. a lot of fluff There's yeah. So yeah. much fluff. And then when you see things, other duties as required, oh. employees have a tendency to really really leverage the other duties as required. And, and so you, in an interview process, and although you don't want to be interviewed by the candidate, you candidates will want to ask a little bit more they about, should. Yeah, yeah. And, and shit. and this again, you know, once you've heard, once you've gone through the process and you're in a position to ask the questions, you should be asking about work-life balance. A lot of these really big employers that are sexy from the outside are not as sexy yeah on the inside and it's, you know, the people are overworked. Um, Pay might be okay, but you literally don't see the light of day because they expect you to be in. And yes, they'll incentivize you with treats and free food and, and whatnot. We're going through, you know, transitioning from full time every single day to this virtual world and this hybrid world. And this whole notion of future of work and what it's going to look like. You're going to want to have, your employer give you an accurate sort of um, understanding of what that looks like yeah. for them.
0: Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkled down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door.
2: Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
0: One thing I've I've started to see is this whole move to a four-day week. Mm -hmm. The only problem with it, because we work with people who are on a four-day week, they want to work till 11 o'clock on of Thursday course. night because yeah. their are Fridays off and they're not working. Right. So it's, it's almost like cramming more into four days, which I don't know. Sometimes to me doesn't make sense. I'd rather no. just have the five days. Right. But I listened to an interview with Emma Gerd. I think that's how you say her last name. She's the co-founder of Good American. Yeah. And and they were asking her, like, what do you hate in an interview? And she's like, don't ever ask me about work-life balance. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Because <laughs> like, it just shows me you're not a hustler. And yeah. I was like, but that just shows you what it's like to work mm-hmm. for Good American, right? Yeah. Like, a, it just, When it's somebody's yeah. first question, I'm like, oh, <laughs> interesting.
3: Yeah because I want to know priorities wise where you're at at. and I want to know that you're going to come in and hustle that you're Mm going to work hard for me, that we're going to be in this together. Um, when you start with, can you talk to me about work-life balance? And right now, that is the thing. That's all everyone's like. I How much flexibility am I going to have? Because <laughs> I like that
4: word, like, yeah.
3: Everyone says it all the time, and I'm like, people are like, honey, get
4: work-life balance. I'm like, I don't. Yeah. Like I have work-life integration for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. But Like there is no balance, and, and there's no balance. There's no such, such thing. There thing. is no ever ever. There's no such thing. And because- I've been working long enough to know that. Like it's like a lie to be like there's balance.
3: No, No, yeah. In our world. There's 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 protection of time. (laughs) Yeah. There's not. There's not a work-life balance. But you want to know that somebody knows how to prioritize. You You want to know that if something's on fire, it's drop everything and be accessible and available. I want to know that I can have that in my team. And then you want to reward your team for the hard work. And and that's where not the the balance doesn't necessarily come in, but the reward comes Mm -hmm. in. And rewards are are always nice and recognition. Um, I think that people
4: forget though, that there's rewards and recognition in the right team. Like, I don't know. I have like, um, I don't know how to make this, I'm trying to making a funny face, you guys, but I feel like there's a lot of people who don't want to do that stuff. And it kills me because it's some people like, yo, if you message me after five, like I'm not available. And I'm like, well, what if something is burning down? Exactly what you're saying. Like,
0: it depends on your industry too, right? Like if you really want something it's super concise from a 9 to 5 like the library is your spot right. like you know mm-hmm. like you want something that ends and begins and probably the government or something like mm-hmm. that but if if you're looking for something that's um sometimes more attractive from the outset like throwing events mm-hmm. right. or you right. know like <laughs> right. you know opening hotels or any of those things like anything to do with travel or media right you're thinking like, oh, I'd love to work in that because it looks so good. Mm-hmm. Well, it looks so good because there's people working day and night to make it seem that it's way, true. right? It is true. So it's like understanding what what is behind the business that you. Yeah, want
3: you to have in. to decide if you're working to live or living to right. work, yeah. right? Yeah. And if you're working to, li- if you if you're living to to work, and you're just you you you're passionate about what you do and you care. Like for me, um a huge part of my life is my job. Mm -hmm. And I'm good with that because I get fulfillment from that Mm. place. Right. You guys are all entrepreneurs. You you're, you're doing, you know, such meaningful work to you, things that you care about that are, you know that people recognize and appreciate but you love it yeah and this we know how much stress goes yeah. into every single thing <laughs> you do i watch you guys and every single day and and how could there not be but that's part of yeah. that's part of it yeah right yeah if you weren't stressed if you weren't hustling to get to your next event to make sure everything goes exactly the way it's supposed to you're not getting that oh
0: my god it was like COVID. yeah the, yeah. The yeah depression We're- we went into being just like wait it's just emails and zooms and no moving around That's like us like sitting in the, the, the office for 12 hours it would be the biggest nightmare of my life oh my it was God. and it
4: remember was guys me. we prayed yeah. for this when we were in the midst yeah. of covid we were like i'd sell my soul to be back under this
3: dress now we're here and we're like <laughs> yeah nope <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's so goes with the territory.
4: What are some um I guess like qualities and skills that you look for or like a lot of employers will look for in a candidate? Because you said you're not going based off their resume, their list of things. So yeah. what are you looking for?
3: So you know, uh, personality is probably first and foremost. You want somebody who makes it clear that they're values centered, um, that they are there for the right reasons, that they they want the job for the right reasons and that that's coming through and everything that they're saying um, it's it, for me, I, I said this earlier, skills can be acquired who you are as a human being cannot um, that's stuff. You can't teach. You can't teach somebody how to, you know, show compassion. You can't teach somebody to collaborate. You know, I work in a, in a team environment and it's very matrix. And if you are not a strong communicator, if you can't lead through influence, if you can't make sure you're talking to all the right people and building relationships, you'll fail. So if I if you know, if I'm recruiting, I'm looking for somebody that I can see will have no 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 problem at all building relationships, getting to know people, networking, um and leveraging their network to make things happen. And and so it really depends. It depends on the job. If you're in manufacturing and you just need somebody to, you know, work a nine to five and just clock in clock out and make sure that they're running a certain way. You don't necessarily need that collaborator team player. You're looking for a totally different thing. But for me, it's what is, what will the person need to actually subjectively to be successful in the job that you're hiring for and really ask a lot of open-ended questions related to that so that you can get a sense of, of whether or not it's the right
0: fit. Finally, we're in a place where diversity matters. Diversity matters. Yeah. Especially now in the hiring practices of companies. Lots of companies will ask you now to indicate on the job application if you are a minority, which is wild to me. I didn't even know that was legal. I I feel like I learned somewhere I can't ask someone how old they are in an interview. (laughs) And so now all the time I'm like... Can you ask that? (laughs) How old are you? Um, Can you elaborate on how this factors into an interview? Like diversity in the sense like i don't know is it this is a so- really
3: this is a re- this is a topic that gets me riled up yes <laughs> um, it does and it and there's no and i'm not a de and i expert by any means i am somebody as a head of people who cares very much about ensuring that our workforce is reflective of 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 our society and and where we live and that um, that we're welcoming people from all backgrounds, all genders, uh, ethnicities um, into our organization and that when they get there, they feel like they belong. Right. Um, that's what I care about. And I'm working to ensure that, you know, we're creating an environment where that's the case. Over the last couple of years, diversity has become more of a focus. Mm-hmm. And and I would say what it and obviously my role is based in, in the U.S. I'm, I'm based out of New York City. But you know, post George Floyd, there was attention all over uh, the world, globally, um, put to sort of race issues, and and in particular against you know the black population. And obviously, in the U.S., it was amplified. It would be very different in the U.S. than it would be in Japan, obviously. Um, and so, all of a sudden, you were seeing organizations be super deliberate about their hiring. And wanting to ensure that they were a lot more open to bringing in people of color and or black people, people from the Latin community, and they were just fixated. And all of a sudden, people were putting policies into place that I I would argue should have existed all along. Um, but I also was of the mindset that whatever it had to take to get here, I'm going to run with, um, because it, it's it's so needed in so many industries and in all of the industries I've worked for worked within here in the public sector for the cbc you know media advertising um within the executive ranks all you see is middle-aged white men and women and that's it and sometimes it's not 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 even balanced from a gender perspective it's middle-aged white men and that's slowly changing and i think we're a little we're headed in a direction where it's somewhat balanced um but you don't see people of color in executive roles in many industries. And so for me, if, you know, a tragedy like George Floyd and and what happens to so many black people uh, year over year for God knows how many years had to turn into more attention being paid to this very issue and ensuring that we could diversify our workforce, then let's, that's okay. Let's, let's run with this and do whatever is needed. So I struggle with that because I wish, I mean, it should have always been the case and it should have always been a priority. But yes, everybody is a little bit more focused now on Diverse candidate slate. So I can tell you within my organization, if we're hiring for a position, 50% of the the candidates have to be from a diverse background, and um, and of those, that 50% 25% have to be black or from the Latinx oh. community. That's within the U.S. On the Canadian side, same same deal. 50% of every um, hiring slate has to be has to ensure we're looking at people of color for at least 50% of the candidates are people of color. And and that is opening doors for sure. And it's bringing, you know, diverse perspectives into the organization and we're being deliberate and that's all good. So you'll start to see progress, but where you're not seeing it is in the executive, most senior leadership roles. So we're doing well industry-wise and across the market at, you know, diversifying our organizations where we're failing miserably. Is as it relates to leadership roles.
0: Do you think that that means that there's a supply problem, or do you think that it's still an old boys club in the executive?
3: It's still an old boys club. Right. Um, I, I see it all the time. You know, people are comfortable with what they know.
0: Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you a like funny. Who you golf with?
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who you golf with? And the more senior you are, the more it's about relatability, right? And what you and often, and I can tell you what happened to me at work, and it was, you know, we were this amazing candidate um, had come to the table, and I didn't have an opportunity for her, but she had all these skills and attributes. So I, I spoke to my boss at the time, and I said, "You have to look at this girl. She's amazing. You should, um, you should meet with her because you're you're hiring for a whole bunch of positions right now, and I think she could fit into one of them." And um, a black woman, and I remember sort of. Um, she she, the, she ended up meeting with a few people globally, and everyone came back and were like, she was really great, super smart, but we didn't. She lacked something, and and I was like, well, well, what? Yeah. And um, the word that was used was gravitas, gravitas. So I was like, pardon. <laughs> She's and
0: missing I said, Gravitas. She's you missing Gravitas. <laughs> so
3: I didn't, I didn't even know what it <laughs> no, meant. No, I'm fully so I, it right now. I assumed that Gravitas was like that, like, like, like owning the room. Okay. Cause I was just thinking, yeah. you know, Genithica. I was thinking big. I, yeah, that like, <laughs> and I was like, that is such a subjective word. And so I, I accepted it and I was like, okay, well, I don't really know what that meant. And I'm sorry that it didn't work out for this, this woman. Cause I thought she was amazing. And then I had, you know, a number of leaders, all of whom happened to be white men or women, dropped that word several times. It was like this buzzword. It's like they all got together and decided. Yeah, it was a buzzword, but it was the word that they used to get out of moving forward with somebody. Read it.
4: Bro, gravitas, dignity, seriousness, or solemnity of manner. Right. So she had no dignity or seriousness?
3: So when I Googled the word, I lost my shit because... I was so offended. I, I, What I thought the word meant, I was thinking executive presence. Like yeah, I didn't that's know, that's what I, thought, that's yeah, what I thought. And then when I read the definition, I was like, what in the actual, and and it was being tossed around so loosely by white men and women, because that's all of our executive exactly. roles are dominated by white men and women. And And when we drilled down, and I remember talking to our head of recruitment, global head of recruitment, I called him and said, you know this is what i'm hearing are you hearing this too he's like oh serena that's old news he also is very very passionate about sort of you know ensuring that we are being very open and you know creating opportunities for people of color and, um he's like no that is that is essentially when a white leader doesn't know how to frame uh, that they don't want to go with somebody who doesn't look like them because there's no relatability. And I was just like, interesting, crazy. That's crazy. And, and when I started to look at all of the people that, you know, somebody would say they lacked gravitas. They were 99% of the time, a person of color. Wow. You won't fit in at
0: the country club.
3: Right. (laughs) It's that it, it it really is this. I am more comfortable with somebody who looks and Mm -hmm. sounds like me. And so the natural inclination is to bring people around you who look and sound like you because it brings this level of comfort that. And so that's that's why we're still here. People who are in positions of authority will want people around them who they feel the most comfortable. With. And so it is it's a tough Thing to crack, and you know we'll bring in DEI experts to come in and educate people, and 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 sometimes you know a tragedy, George Floyd, will force people's hands and organizations' hands because they're being called out and scrutinized, left, right, and center, for not being diverse and not having like a, a broad representation of you know people from different backgrounds backgrounds, but they um and so they'll go and just hire somebody and the person that they've hired will tell you i was hired because it's a token mm-hmm. hire. yeah yeah i was hired because and that's unfortunate and then then we know as people of color you just have to work so much harder oh my
0: gosh. it was funny you're you saying all of this and we have a mutual friend who's also a client and what's so funny about everybody I know who's a white person, this person, the, our friend is black. Whenever I have posted about him or mentioned that I've known him, the white person that I know is like, oh, he's such a great guy. He's so cool. It's like, it's almost like you can hear them saying, like, he's my black friend. Yeah, my one, you one, know? My one like, black he's friend. He's like my one black friend. Yeah, he's, he's the one, one that saves friend. me from all of the racism in the world. Yeah. Because he's palatable. Yeah. And he's cool. And he can, he can hang with you, like, He's your one black friend, and that kills me when it's I hear painful. it. Painful, and I'm just like, "Yeah, wow." And he's also painful. probably more successful than the people you're talking about, which is crazy. Like, like they're they, they're tokenizing yes. him, like they're putting making him a token, and he's not. Like, it's just it's almost it gets into like fetishization of people, and mm-hmm. oh,
3: yeah, and and uh, you we know that people of color, black people in particular, have to in order to be seen as the one black friend Mm. or the one relatable friend (laughs) have to work a thousand times harder and be a thousand times more impressive than their white counterpart. Um, or they, and then also
4: be a thousand times more gracious too, because when you're that person, you hear these like crazy things from other people in these spaces that then you can't be out of pocket in a lot of those situations because then you're like the angry black oh person So you're sitting oh, in these rooms yeah. hearing people say crazy shit like yeah. talking out the side of their mouth and you have to be like
3: huh yeah <laughs> there is no space and no tolerance for you know a, a black man especially black women too within an organization especially in the corporate world to voice with passion how they feel about something because it will be misinterpreted. It will make other people in the room feel uncomfortable and it will cause an issue. And those are the types of things where, you know, I have the benefit of being in a role that allows me to make some very deliberate and conscious decisions and empower people of color and create pathways for them to to grow and develop and end up in these senior roles and I swear to God, while I'm in this seat, I will stop at nothing Yay. to ensure that that happens. It's actually, I've had people within my organization say to me, Serena, you know, the last three appointments you've made have all been, you know, when I was building out my team, I canvassed the caliber of the talent. I had I had to make a lot of changes. I had to exit a whole bunch of people because we were trying to elevate our, our bar. And the, my first three hires happened to be three black American women and they were by far superior to the candidates that I considered and I and I cast a very wide net so I met with all kinds of people from different places with different experience levels and and it just so happened that the three my first three appointments were three black women and I actually had a very senior global leader say to me aren't you worried about the perception of reverse discrimination no and no. I I think I was chewing on something and almost choked, but I looked at him and said, you know, were you worried about your last 30 hires? Because they all happen to be men and women that look exactly like you. Did you stop and think about the perception of your last 30? You're talking to me about my last three. He's like, enough said. You know, that's enough a, said, enough said, sorry, good, wow. sorry. Said it. Good. Yeah. yeah. but, but you have to, in those moments, yeah. you have to capitalize on calling people out yeah. because, Thank you. because then, and, and I mean, that's my approach. If, if somebody says something outlandish to yeah. me, like, aren't you, are you worried about reverse discrimination? I just, I don't even feel like I want to justify that yeah. with a response, but, you but you have to, you have no, to call it out.
0: die
4: if you like that, like, that would be so embarrassing and well, he was mortified. Yes. Yes. He was mortified. Sometimes you need a good little bit of shame.
1: Yeah, agreed. Serena, we would love your advice on being across from your CEO or hiring manager and negotiating for your salary. So now we're coming out, I'd like to say, coming out of COVID confidently. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, how do you go about revisiting that conversation with your superior to ask for more money? Or when you get a job off the jump too.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So I think you should always ask, ask for what you think you deserve. So well, what I'll tell you is when we know we do not do that. Yes. We don't do it. And some of it I would argue is even cultural because I think there's even a different nuance. People of color have a tendency to never negotiate to almost sit back and say, I'm, uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you for what you're happy to be here (laughs) uh, because we were raised. And, and I do think there's, and especially here within Toronto, very diverse community. But uh, you know, when I talk to where I'm, I'm obviously on one side of the the table, the people who will just go at me and negotiate and try (laughs) to get every single Thing they possibly can are almost never a person of color, which is very interesting. Um, but it's been my observation that that's not been the case. But then you compound that with, as women, we just don't because historically the perception of a woman who tries to negotiate was never seen as positive ever difficult, difficult, bullish, um, you know, entitled, how dare she. And, and, and yet if a man didn't negotiate, you'd think there was a problem with that. Are we getting the, the, like somebody who knows he's weak, he's, you know, you start to, he's inferior. That's probably not somebody we want to go with. So when a man does it, it's expected Mm -hmm. And it's not just expected, it's encouraged. You want them to do that because it actually speaks to their character and how they'll perform in the the job. A woman, I mean, people are the audacity of her to come Mm -hmm. and ask me for what she deserves. That's just something we as women have to get over all together. I think go in with a realistic understanding of what the ballpark is. Always ask the range. I mean solid companies are asking or checking for salary expectations from the onset because the last thing a company wants to do is go through an entire process with you just to realize that you guys are on two different playing fields. So you never want to do that. Always be clear about your range and give a range. It doesn't have to be a specific salary because you need to sort of see how that plays out. Um, But make sure that you guys are in the same ballpark. And then when it comes down to it, factor in what's super important to you, what you need. It's not always money, right? It could be Mm -hmm. work from home, however many days. It could be, you know, I want the flexibility to manage my time in this way. I'm a parent. I want to pick up and drop my kids. Like we're in a very different climate right now. And there's a lot more openness to all of that. But as it relates to your salary, we have to let go of any sort of apprehensions and just ask for what we deserve. That's what we know we deserve. That's realistic. So that's the, it's the other thing. I mean, men and women come to the table with astronomical expectations all the time, which is why that initial, Hey, here's what we're, this is our range. And depending on what you bring to the table, you'll be within that range. That has to be right from the onset. So there's no wasted time. And as long as you're comfortable within that, then you know that you, what space you have Mm -hmm. to work within and, and then back it up with some facts. I'm bringing this to the table, this to the table, this to the table. You had spoken to me about this being your range. Um, You know, my salary expectations are this. And another way to do it is if you're earning a certain amount of money today and you're looking for your next progression, when you're in that negotiation, I was looking to earn this much more than what I am today. and, And these are my expectations. Thankfully, we're in an employee's market right now where you can go and do that. That's not always the case. So capitalize on the moment, stay within what's realistic. Otherwise people will think you're, I mean, it's a huge red flag when somebody throws something at you that, you know, is not even in the realm of possibility. Um, So always make sure it's realistic and it's tied to what you bring, what you know, you bring to the table. And if you need to back it up, you know, I come with this, this and this, Mm -hmm. and, and this is, this is sort of my, my expectation. A really solid employer will offer you a fair, fair salary right from the onset. Good sign. They will green flag. <laughs> yeah, I've had I've had a couple of offers over the course of the last five years um, where I was so blown away with, with what was being offered, and wouldn't even attempt to negotiate on salary. I would maybe attempt to negotiate other aspects, travel, and you know mm-hmm. whatever. But That's yeah, you a baddie. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Serena's
4: the best in the game.
3: Yeah, right. I wish. Thank you. Yeah. So salary is a big thing. Women need to lean in more. We just historically haven't, we have to let go of any misconceptions, preconceived, you know, notions that people have that could for sure exist today. They haven't gone away. We just have to get get through it and and own it. On
0: that note, can you leave us with one piece of advice that you wish you'd known sooner?
3: I wish I had known sooner. Um, you know, we've had so many side conversations, you, you and and me and and and, you know, that I'm I'm very values centered and focused. And I think, you know, growing up and going through various roles, I was just I wanted to work and I was very ambitious. And sometimes through my career, you know, I would hear and see things that were absolute red flags but parked my own personal value system for the opportunity. And, and I can tell you that that never goes well. It never ever does. So had I known sooner that I might have to kiss a few frogs before I, you know, met my prince, work wise, um, I wouldn't have just accepted anything because on paper and or the title and or the industry just seemed like it was the right thing. Um, Follow your gut. Your gut doesn't fail you. So I'm very big on the universe, and <laughs> the universe is talking to me, and something is a sign. I, I I believe in that wholeheartedly. I think leverage the laws of attraction. So that's a, advice for sure. Put out there what you what you really want out of your life, career wise, and outside personally. Um, but when you're you're confronted with a situation where something's being offered to you, but there's like your gut is telling you there's a values disconnect or something's just not resonating, wait for the next thing, if you can. If you can, I would say take jobs that you know you're aligned with values-wise. That's my advice. Like I said, there were many times where I did not do that and it just, it never went well. I love it. Well, you heard it
4: here first, friends. Thank you for all of that information, Serena. I feel like we could do a whole other podcast episode on the jobs that and we should yeah we yeah. should <laughs> the jobs that you took but shouldn't have yeah um for sure tell everybody where to find you on social media
3: oh so i'm just i don't have much of a presence but i um, my instagram is serena anthony i'm on linkedin as well as serena anthony <laughs> we go indoors too honey thank you but yeah Uh, More to to come. I'm starting to engage in some of these things a little bit more, but I really appreciate you having me on. The world needs more Serena, and we're going to bring you more Serena. Thank you. That was
1: amazing. Coes, you know what to do. Rate this podcast five stars on Apple, and don't forget to follow us on Spotify. You can continue keeping up with our adventure on the gram at Coco and Co. That's C-O-W-E. Now go tell your friends about it.